Amen. So early this morning, before it started raining seriously, I, I took our dog for a walk. And as I'm taking the dog for a walk, I take my phone out of my pocket and think, let's just check the forecast. And I check the weather forecast. And then I thought, oh, wait a second, I'll check the news headlines. And then I thought, no, I won't. <laughs> How to depress yourself in 30 seconds flat, right? No, I won't. I don't need to do that. I'm going to take in what's around me. And I put the phone back in my pocket, and dull gray day though it was, the only sound I could hear were birds singing. Amen. And I looked around at trees, and I thought, wow, wow, God did good. Wow. And, and you know, there have been other times, I'm sure for you as well, and there have been other times in life when I've been kind of wowed in a kind of more abrupt way by God's creation. I remember the first time we saw the Niagara Falls. It's like walking across there and looking and like, wow. That wasn't a quiet bird singing experience. That was quite the opposite experience. It's like incredible what God does. And you know what? If you look through the Bible, let's say if you're looking through the New Testament, you will find that there was nothing that Jesus did that was ordinary. He didn't do ordinary. You may say, I'm just an ordinary person. No, you're not. God don't make ordinary. Doesn't happen. Everything Jesus did. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, it talks about how Jesus stilled a storm. And then it says this about the disciples who were with him. Verse 27, the men rubbed their eyes astonished. What's going on here? Wind and sea come to heal at his command. They were astonished at what Jesus did. And then a few chapters later, in Matthew chapter 12, it talks about Jesus helping this particular man. A demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? The men in the boat were astonished. The crowd here, it says, were amazed. In Luke's gospel, it talks about people bringing a friend on a mat to Jesus. He was paralyzed and how Jesus healed him. And it says this in Luke 5.25, immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and all. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Wherever Jesus went, they saw amazing things. He was very much different. There's a book that many of you have heard me mention before that I read a number of years ago by a guy called Seth Godin, and it's called The Purple Cow. And uh, the whole premise of The Purple Cow is 
goes very simply along these lines. If you're driving in the countryside and see a cow, you'll probably say, wow, there's a cow. But after you've seen about 50 cows, as you continue, by the time you come to number 49, you won't even mention it. It's just another cow. And what Godin says, but if after that you saw a purple cow, you would suddenly notice it and say, wow, that cow is purple. And the whole principle that he gives is this. If you want to be noticed, you've got to stand out. If you want to be noticed, you've got to stand out. We're reading the stories of the life of Jesus because he stood out. And if the church of Christ is to make an impact on a world that desperately needs him, the fact is we need to stand out. Our, our son was uh, up from Texas last weekend, and I was out driving with him one day, and we're driving along Middle Country Road in Selden, and, and he, he, he said, hey, what's, uh, what's Duck Donuts? And I said, well, it's, it's a donut store. They, they haven't been here in Selden that long. And he said, well, what's special about them? See, because otherwise it's another. So, so actually, we had the opportunity on Monday. I didn't want to do it. Okay, I think the devil made me do it. But, but we went to Duck Donuts, and I showed him the operation, right? And some of you got no idea, and I just want to tell you they're sponsoring our service this morning. No, they're not. Um, so, but, but, you know, the, the whole process that they do that's different is the donuts are all fresh, and they're still warm, and you pick what kind of flavors and coatings, and they do it right there for you, and, and, and it's all done, and it's, they're different, and they're unusual in their flavors, and it's so, because you can't, if you just open another donut store, it's another donut store. There's got to be something about it that's different. There needs to be something purple about it. And yes, they did do blueberry ones. But if the church is to make an impact in this world, if our church is going to make an impact on the people that we are connected with, here's the thing. We need to be different. In Jesus' day, the country was under Roman occupation. So there were Roman soldiers all around the place. They were hated. They were despised. And one of the laws that existed in his day was this, that at any time, a Roman soldier who needed something carrying someplace could get a hold of a Jewish person and say, carry this for me. And whatever you were doing yourself at the time and whatever your plans were, were never relevant. You were compelled to carry that person's load for one mile. They could just pick anybody and grab them and say, do this. They had to do it. But one mile was the limit. After one mile, and the Romans had their roads actually all marked out with mile markers so you knew what a mile was. But at the end of a mile, I guess at the end of the mile, everybody scattered when they saw the soldier coming, knowing he'd be looking for somebody else now to carry it the next mile. But, but at the end of a mile, you were free of your obligation. That was the background of this verse in Matthew 5, verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, 
Go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. I think about that scenario, and I, I kind of wonder how puzzled a Roman soldier would be if someone said, if he said, okay, that's a mile, you're done, and somebody said, no, it's cool, I'll go another mile or further if you want. I mean, wouldn't that totally mess with him? See, one of the reasons we need to stand out is because we are men and women who go the extra mile. We go too. Let's live differently than the way a lot of people around us live. Let's stand out for this good reason, that we don't do the minimum, we do all we possibly can for those that we interact with. Matthew 5 and verse 46, Jesus said this. He said, if all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. So he wants us to do more than loving the people that are lovable or doing just what we ought to do. In fact, in Galatians 5 and verse 6, it says this. In Christ, neither our most conscientious religion or disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior, faith expressed in love. What really matters is that our faith is expressed. And how is our faith expressed? Our faith is expressed in love. That, he says, is what matters. He said, you know, how religious you are, how religious you aren't, is really not what it's all about. What it's about is having a faith that shows itself through loving others. In the, in the New Testament church, there were factions who debated what was most important, whether it was your faith or whether it was doing good deeds. And you know, from that time to this time, there's always Christians who like to argue. Right? No, there are. There are always people who want to argue. There are people who will meet me for the very first time and say, what do you believe about the rapture? Mind your own business. I mean, I mean, is that the most important thing you want to know about me? I mean, really, really, you know. Does your church believe in eternal security? We believe the Bible, that's it. It's like, now, when I was younger, and I was, when I was, when I was younger, there was never an argument I wouldn't get into because I'm going to prove you're wrong and I'm right. Now that I'm older, I don't care. Honestly, I mean, if you disagree with me, disagree with me. You'll see Jesus one day and realize I was right. right? Anyway, where was I before I got in trouble? So in the early church, there were, there were factions. So there was one that said, no, it's all about what you believe. It's all about what you believe. And there were other factions who said, no, no, no. It's all about what we're doing and how we're helping others and how we're serving. And, and, and you know what? Uh, in the book of James, it puts the whole thing together and says, look, you can't separate one from another. 
Because what you believe is going to impact how you act. Right? So if our faith does not affect our actions, it's not faith at all. It's just a creed we've adopted. But if our faith is for real, then it's got to impact our lives. And it's the impact that faith has on our lives that makes us different. That's what makes us different. So, over and again through the course of the Gospels, it talks about how Jesus had compassion for people. And I want to just take a look at a couple of those as we continue this morning, and just to encourage you to remind yourself. In fact, as you come in, came in, you probably got one of these wristbands. And uh, if you didn't, you could get one on the way out. It just says, go to. And, and uh, I, I, I'm wearing one because I forget stuff. And that might be a good reminder for me while I'm wearing it. If I'm tempted to kind of draw a line to say, no, no, you go further. Go to. Go to. So if you didn't get one, one, one if you, you, know, I'm, you don't have to wear them. We're not checking wristbands or, <laughs> or vaccination at the door. So you're good, all right? So... So uh, you're, you're, you're cool there. But for, you know, it may be a good prompt for you uh, just to remind you over the next days and weeks, hey, let's go the extra mile. Let's go the second mile. I look at Jesus and see that Jesus went the extra mile for the lost. In, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them. He wasn't judgmental about them. He wasn't negative towards them. He felt compassion for them. They, they, the New Testament, as you know, most of it was written in the Greek language. And actually, the Greek word that is translated harassed there means to pester without pity. It's, it's actually also used about beating a corpse. So it's like, yeah, like flogging a dead horse, right? Is that an English phrase? Or we good? You know that one? No, you don't. All right, you learned some English today. Okay, so, but, but, the, but, the, but the, the, the whole concept is that what the religious leaders did to people in Jesus' day was they beat them without mercy. Not literally, they pushed them down. They made them feel bad. They gave them rules and regulations they couldn't keep and then told them what a failure they were. And none of their efforts were ever good enough. And there were constant demands that were placed on them. They were pestered without pity. That's why the statement of Jesus is, is so in contrast to the religious leaders when Jesus said, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, because I will give you rest. So that, folks, is why our message is so different. It's a message of care and compassion to those that are bruised and that are broken. Our mission is to encourage, not to discourage. We are in this world to pick people up, not to put them down. 
Listen, let me just remind you of something. People who don't know Jesus live like people who don't know Jesus. Right? And the solution is not to tell them to change their lifestyle. It's to help them to come to know the Savior and let Jesus do for them what nobody else could ever do for them. Jesus had compassion for those that were lost. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34, uh, there, there are some verses that really hit me. Verse 5, it says, They were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth. And here's the bit that hit me. And no one, no one, no one searched and no one looked for them. They were scattered and nobody cared. Nobody cared. And Jesus came with great compassion for those that were scattered. And you and I today as followers of Jesus, we need to demonstrate that same compassion for those that are scattered. We need to care. We need to be concerned. Church can so easily get caught up with itself so it becomes a social club for the already convinced. And God never intended us to be a social club for the already convinced. God intended that we would be agents of change for men and women who desperately need Jesus. That's why the church exists. That's why this church exists. And if you ever forget it, it's plastered over that wall right outside of here, right? We exist in the words of Jesus to seek and to save those that were lost. Jesus went the extra mile for those that were... And, and then Jesus went the extra mile, not, not only for those who were lost, but for those that were suffering. He cared about those that were suffering. There's an interesting thing in, in, in Matthew's gospel, the, the, the background scenario is this, that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, who'd been preaching and preparing the way for Jesus to come, John had ticked off one too many people, and he had been put in jail, and uh, ultimately he was, he was killed, he was beheaded. And Jesus had just got the news that his cousin John had been beheaded. And so the Bible tells us that Jesus then went just to go and spend some time by himself. But the crowds followed him. He just wanted some time to just take in and refocus after such incredible, terrible news. But the crowds still followed him. And in Matthew 14 and verse 14, it says this, when Jesus landed, he'd taken a boat over the other side of the lake. When Jesus landed 
and saw a large crowd, he said, please leave me alone and give me some space. <laughs> he didn't, did he? He didn't do that. And, and you know what? You could understand that, couldn't you? Wouldn't that be a human reaction? It's like, please, just give me, please, just give me a day. Just. But he didn't. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. His life was never about himself. Never. He couldn't see somebody suffering without longing to ease their pain. So in Luke 7, it tells us that Jesus was coming to a town called Nain, and he saw a funeral procession. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, last person she had on earth. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, do not weep. He saw the absolute brokenness of this woman. And Jesus raised her son from the dead because he had compassion on her. It wasn't just that he wanted to show others what he could do. It wasn't that. It was that he felt for this woman and for the agony that she was going through. There's another incident in the Gospels. You, you know, back in the, the Gospel days, leprosy was a major, major issue. And um, because le leprosy was thought to be so contagious, um, as, as soon as somebody was diagnosed with leprosy, they had to leave their home and leave the community. And basically, they went off to live in isolation somewhere off all by themselves. And that was it. That was it. They, they stayed there. They got worse and they died. And, and there, there's an account in, in Mark's gospel about someone with leprosy coming to Jesus, which was an incredibly risky business because he shouldn't have been anywhere where people were. But he came to Jesus, and it says that he implored him, kneeling down to him, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Here's what it says. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. I want you to notice what Jesus did before he said, be cleansed. He reached out his hand and touched him. It could be that nobody had done that for years. This man had been living in absolute isolation, hadn't been close to anyone. The last thing on earth anybody would do was touch somebody who had leprosy. But Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. There, there's a, I, I read a statement by Mother Teresa where she said, the most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. So I'm going to tell a story that some of you will have heard me tell about 97 times, but there's a chance that one person here hasn't heard it, and everybody else just look interested, be polite. But, but it, it, 
it obviously made a great impact on me because it happened, it happened now looking back probably more than 20 years ago. So 20-some years ago on a Saturday, I would help a homeless ministry in, in Manhattan serving, the, serving the, the homeless with meals there on the Lower East Side. And uh, I did that every Saturday afternoon for seven years, I think. And we'd go in and we'd serve the people. And um, at the busiest times, we'd serve up to 600 people on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, the Lower East Side was a bit of a wilder place back in the 90s than it is now. It's Yuppieville now. But uh, back there, it, then it was a bit wild. There were squatters in some of the building. There were, there were, there were dealers and addicts all over Tompkins Square Park, just up the road. And uh, it was a bit wild. And sometimes it got wild out there because we were, you know, these were some of our clients. And sometimes it got a little bit crazy. And uh, so there were a few basic things to help us keep things flowing reasonably. And uh, one of them was, it was real simple, you get one dinner. You know, if your grandmother's starving and drawing her last breath, you still only get one dinner. You know, if your friend's away on a job interview and it's the first one he's had in years and he needs a dinner, no, you still get one dinner. We just kept it one dinner. That was just trying, trying to keep the thing sensible. The truth is, we got pretty wise to the fact that people are good at making up stories anyway. So one afternoon, there was a guy, James, who used to come. He, he came down from the Bronx every Saturday. I don't know much about him at all. James came down the street, and James was a mess. His hair and his wild beard were matted and filthy. It was winter. He had a big, heavy coat on that was stained and stinking. And James went through the line, and he got his meal, and he got his other stuff. And then he came to me, and he said to me, Roger, can I ask you something? And I'm like all ready to say, James, you know the deal. You get one dinner. And I said, uh, what you got to ask me, James? And he said, would you hug me? Nobody has hugged me for years. Now, I've got to tell the truth. In a split second, just for a split second, all right? Please don't think badly of me. I'd rather have given him another dinner <laughs> than, than hug him, because, you know. But that, that was only a split second, all right? All right? Don't, think bad, don't think badly of me. Because then I stepped forward and I hugged him. And he held on to me. And he cried and I cried. And in those moments, I didn't smell James anymore. And it was like I heard the words of Jesus. And as much as you do this for the least, you do it for me. You do it for me. Jesus went the second mile for those that were suffering. I want to encourage you as we have opportunity, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. There are some people who don't need food on their plates. They need to know that somebody cares. They want to know that they are valued. One of the wonderful things I love seeing happening here on a Wednesday morning is that every one of our clients who comes through the, 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 the food pantry is so welcomed and so respected and, and, and so valued. And, and, and they, they can sense 
the, the real compassion and love being shown towards them. Go to. Go the extra mile in caring for those that are suffering. And then, of course, Jesus did take care of those who were hungry. I mean, on a very simple way, in, well, simple, in Matthew's gospel, it talks about the fact in Matthew 15 about Jesus teaching people for a number of days, and, and, and then Jesus says to his disciples, I have compassion for these people. They've been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. Jesus was concerned about the very real, just ordinary needs. That's why we feed you before service, because I can preach three days then. <laughs> but Jesus was concerned for their very practical needs. I gather that tonight on Long Island, approximately 182,000 people will go to bed hungry. 72,980 of those will be children. And in case you get the wrong idea, you know what? That's not all people who aren't willing to do all they can. 48% of households who receive emergency food assistance on Long Island are what are defined as the working poor. There's at least one employed adult in the household, but they are still have an income that's below the federal poverty level. I was reading that the elderly make up 4% of Long Island's hungry. Which, on the surface, you may say, oh, well, that's, that's, that's a pretty low number. Now, let me spell out that number. That means 7,280 seniors on Long Island will go to bed hungry tonight. That's what's happening around us. And some of them just can't afford, you know, nutritious food, or they have to make the choice. Did you, did you ever go to a pharmacy and they give you medication and they tell you what it costs and you say, did you apply the insurance? And they say, yes. And you think, wow, I, 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 I'm on a medication. I went to pick it up in January from the pharmacy. The guy said, 30 days supply. He said, that will be $497. $497. Now, thankfully, the next month it was going to be less than that, but it's still crazy numbers. But apparently, I'm meant to take that to stay alive, and I, I don't really want to risk whether I need it or not, you know? So I dug deep and could pay it. But you know, there are a lot of people who couldn't pay that. Or if they pay that, they don't have money for anything else. You know that. You live on Long Island. We all live on Long Island. But for a lot of people, it's very, very hard over 10,000 Long Islanders who receive food assistance are homeless. And a lot of those uh, are people who are victims of abuse or 
who are really in the need of mental health services, but we really don't have adequate mental health services on Long Island. We need, we need to have a heart that's open for those who are hungry. We can't meet all of those needs, but I thank God that because you're all part of what we do, we are able to serve hundreds and hundreds of people on a weekly basis. We, 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 um, I, I was given the numbers the, the other week that in the last couple of years, from, just from the Trader Joe donations we get, which are very significant, that we had received over $1.3 million value at retail price of food from Trader Joe's. And, and, and you know, one of the things I love about that is, is that one of the things when I was reading some stuff about poverty on Long Island, it was saying the problem is that most food pantries don't give people nutritious food. And we are in a position because we've got the people who will do it, who will do the pickups, who will sort through the food, who will make it possible. We are in the position where our clients eat Trader Joe's. So there's produce and there's fruit and there's good quality protein and, and, and there's highly nutritious foods that we are able to offer. We can't meet everyone's needs. But I'll tell you this, we are able to meet the needs of everyone that God has sent our way. And we've never had to turn a single person away. for everyone who makes that possible in any way. That's what we're meant to be doing. That's what we're meant to be doing. I believe that's why Jesus put us here, so that we could be a blessing to those who really are struggling. Jesus went the extra mile. You, you know, there's, there's a passage in Isaiah chapter 58. That, that, um, in Isaiah 58, God's people are complaining to God and saying, why don't you bless us more? We do this and we do that and we, do, we make these sacrifices and we do these things for you and, and we fast a lot, so why don't you bless us more? And God says to them, listen, I'm sick of your fasting and I'm sick of your sacrifices. They're not the kind of fasting that I'm looking for. God says, here's what I'm looking for, for you to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. That, says God, is what I'm looking for. Every now and again, I do something with our staff where I take Seth Godin's thing about purple cow, and I said, you know, just take a minute and think about it. What's purple about us? Because you can lose your color. What is there that stands out? What is it that makes us different? And I tell you, one of the things that makes us different is 
and needs to continue to be that we have avenues through which we can show the compassion for those that are hurting that Jesus showed to those who were hurting. The great Methodist preacher John Wesley once said this. He said, do all you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. You got it? All the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, in all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. We're sitting here today as blessed people, aren't we? You know, I mean, everybody's got, you know, we've all got, you know, different things in life that might be causing us concerns or struggles. But bottom line, we're sitting here and we are blessed. Let's not keep the blessing to ourselves. But let's make a point of going the extra mile to care for people that Jesus cared for. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that in your love you reached out to us. You held nothing back. You showed your love by coming to this earth and dying for us. And God, I pray you'd help each one of us to have hearts that are open and eyes that can see and ears that can hear the plight of those that we can be a blessing to. God, we are blessed. And we thank you so much for your blessing. And God, I pray that you'd give us increasing opportunities to be a blessing to others. God, help us to be people that are different as we show and share your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.